Hey, come on, good morning, Go Church family. How you feel out there, you feel good? Some of you do. How about this side of the room? How you feeling today, you feel good? Middle section, come on, you feel good for the Lord? All the crazy people said over here today, I can tell already, how you doing? That's what I'm talking about. Love y'all, love y'all. Everybody online today, we greet you. Everybody at our West Side Atlantic campus on the amazing property of City of Refuge and House of Cherith, we greet all of you. And then everybody in Montgomery County, Maryland, this is our MoCo campus. I wanna give a huge shout out to them. Kimberly and I, we planted Go Church in Maryland nine years ago this week. Five years ago, we relocated back home we took over the leadership opportunity and responsibility from my father-in-law and mother-in-law to pastor this church. Over a number of years, we restructured, rebranded, planted additional campuses. This is how we have one church in multiple cities uh, in Atlanta and then Maryland. Anyway, when we planted Go Church in Maryland nine years ago, we've never had a permanent home. The first year we were in a storefront and then the last eight years, they've been portable. That means every Sunday, setting up and tearing down in the local movie theater. Well, I got great news for you. Today, they have officially moved in to their permanent church home. Come on. Oh, that's a big deal. Come on, church. And guess what? We did it all debt-free. Come on, somebody. Awesome. So, Westside, MoCo, online, everybody here, we greet you today. God bless you. And then we have a tradition, don't ever let it grow old, where we give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military and all of our first responders. If that's you today, please let us show you some love. Every campus, military, men and women, first responders, hands up. Every campus go crazy for these brave individuals. God bless you. Come on, a little bit better. God bless you. Love you, love you, love you. Thank God for you over here. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good. Hey, I know you know this already. Today is Palm Sunday, and that means that thousands of years ago, Jesus rode into Jerusalem in a triumphal entry as the crowd of people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, waving palm branches. And I just want to encourage you that from the beginning of what we now know as Holy Week, so that'll take us from today all through Easter Sunday. I just want you to know that every part of Holy Week is a reminder of how much God loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever would just believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. I don't know where you are on your faith journey, but if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear these words. God loves you. Romans 8, what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. And I'm so grateful that we serve of God that stooped down into earth, sent his son Jesus to die on that cross to carry the weight of my sin and your sin and pay our penalty. Anybody grateful for that? So as we lean into Holy Week, listen to me. I just want you to slow down, slow down this week. Observe each day of Holy Week. Spend some extra time in prayer extra time in worship, take communion throughout the week. It's an opportunity to reflect and also to look forward to the inevitable return of Jesus Christ, but slow down. How many of you need to slow down just a little bit? Come on, some of y'all lying, you didn't raise your hand. You're lying to your pastor already. Slow down this week, enjoy Holy Week. And let me tell you this, from Palm Sunday to Easter, a lot can happen in seven days. A lot can happen in seven days. 
And I know many of you, you're still believing for your miracle. I just wanna encourage you before I preach, this is Sermon 1A. Come on, somebody. A lot can happen in seven days. And I'm believing this Holy Week that you will see miracles in your family. Do you receive that? You'll receive miracles in your relationships, miracles in your body, miracles in your mind. A lot can happen in seven days. And all because Jesus is alive, alive forevermore. Come on and give God the best praise you've got. Let's go. All right. Well, I'm gonna share a message with you today that we call a standalone sermon. And here's what that means. I always love to preach in series so I can take a topic and walk through scripture with you for four, six, eight weeks even. So I love preaching in series because you can jump into that series on any Sunday and feel like you haven't missed a beat. But sometimes on certain Sundays, we find ourselves in between series. And so we call those standalone Sundays. And it's an opportunity for me to either preach a word that God has put in my heart specific for the house, or even an opportunity for a campus pastor to preach or for a guest speaker. So today is a standalone Sunday. And in the fall, October, God put this word in my heart. So I'm gonna preach to you a message called, It's Go Time. Oh, that's somebody's next tattoo right there. Come on, somebody. It's go time. I'm gonna preach this message called, It's Go Time. I wanna make sure that you take notes today. So there's a message note card and a seat back near you. You can access that. Take out your smartphone, open up your note application. Just turn it on airplane mode so you don't get distracted about lunch plans and what's happening on Twitter. Look at somebody. As a matter of fact, look at two or three people and tell them, say, it's go time. Come on, it's go time. Yeah, I love when a preacher tells you, look at a neighbor, by the way. It's go time time. All right. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll take 10 seconds as a moment of reflection and just kind of uh, concentration, meditation. This isn't a weird 10 seconds, but it's just a 10 seconds here to align your thoughts, to go ahead and ask the Lord to speak to you. Here's what I want you to pray. Lord, allow your seed, the word of God that is being delivered through Pastor J.C., the sower of this seed today to land in the soil of my heart, right? So speak to me, open my mind, my ears, have your way. 10 seconds and then I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I really do believe that we need to slow down I think all of us are guilty of being in a hurry. We look at our schedules and our days and we know that they are filled with responsibilities and work and home and extracurriculars. I think that even on Sundays in the church, sometimes we rush through the opportunities that you're giving us. So I pray that even in this message, well, I'll be mindful of the time, but may we just slow down to hear what the Spirit would say to us. I pray that you would anoint me, that you would anoint those listening, and that this word would touch every heart today, change us from the inside out, and fire us up with the power of the Holy Spirit to know that it's go time. It's go time. And so we will redeem the opportunity. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who gave his life for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And the whole church said, amen and amen. Do you have five, 10 seconds just to applaud King Jesus? Come on, every campus. 
Oh, come on, somebody. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Woo. All right, take your Bible. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I want to look at a, a few verses here, verses 13 through 18. Uh, if you don't have your Bible or your smartphone, I always try to have the Scripture available for you here on this uh, little nifty little machine here, a little television. So I press the TV with one finger, it goes forward, two fingers, it goes back. There's no little magic man behind the TV that makes it work. It's just technology. Look at somebody say, it's 2023. That's all it is. It's 2023. Matthew 16, I want to read this to you and then unpack a couple of thoughts here. Uh, on the front end of this message called, It's Go Time, I hope to remind you or for some of you maybe teach you about the importance of the Big C Church. Um, God loves the church so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for her. And I don't want to get ahead of my notes or my thinking, but the church is not an address. The church is not a zip code. The church is not brick and mortar. The church isn't portable or permanent, although it's great to have a beautiful facility, amen? You and I are the church. We are the church, and God loves us so much that he gave us Jesus to die for the church. Now, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he says to the disciples, and here in, in verses 13, 14, and 15, you'll see Jesus ask two very specific questions. The first question that he asked the disciples is this, who do people say the son of man is? Question one, who do they say that I am? And they replied, some say that you are John the Baptist, others say that you are Elijah, and still others believe that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked the second question, and here's what he says, but who do you say that I am? Now this is powerful because Two things are happening. Number one, Jesus is setting us up to know that people are always going to have questions about him. So people are always going to be asking who is this Jesus and even giving their opinions about who this Jesus is. But Jesus is also emphasizing, and write this down, that it really doesn't matter what other people say about him. What matters is what you say about him. So the Bible talks about how we've got to work out our own salvation. And one day we will all stand before God. Whether you believe that to be true or not, that is an absolute truth. That we will stand before God and on our day of judgment, how and what we said about him would determine if our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What do you say about him? Respectfully. It doesn't really matter what your mother or father says about him, what your grandmother or grandfather says about him. It doesn't even matter what your pastor says about him. Our faith in Jesus can't save you. It is the confession of your faith in Christ Jesus that makes you saved. Can I get 100 people to say amen right there? So it's not what other people say that matters. It's what you say about him that matters. Lord, Lord, Jesus rescuer, savior, father, friend. Now, I love Simon Peter in the Bible. I think because I can connect to uh, his, like, ask for permission later, just act now, think later. You know the old saying, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Some of you are caught up in this. I know this is my rhythm too, like, I'm gonna act now, then process later on. And this is Simon Peter. Peter was always quick to do something for the Lord. 
When Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration, it was Peter who said, Lord, it's good to be here. Let's never leave here. As a matter of fact, let's build a tabernacle. You know, let's build three of them, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll just stay here and just go on to glory together. It was Peter that when the disciples were in the boat, they saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, I wanna walk on the water and get to you. It was Peter on the night that Jesus was arrested that he drew out his sword because he didn't like them arresting Jesus. And he cut off the ear of Malchus, servant of the high priest. And Jesus had, well, here goes Simon Peter again. Jesus bends down, picks up an ear and attaches it back to the guy's head. Peter was always, act now, think later. And Jesus says, so who do you say that I am? And immediately Peter says, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, son of Jonah. For this revelation, this was not revealed to you by, by flesh and blood. Man did not reveal this truth to you. The only way Simon Peter had this revelation was because of God's father in heaven. And watch verse number 18. And Jesus says, and I tell you, Peter, that, that on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Another translation says it this way. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, it's really important that you understand verse number 18. For many of you, your faith background or experience has allowed you to grow up in the Roman Catholic Church. And I highly respect the Roman Catholic Church and and the Pope, and the traditions, and all of that. This isn't me putting them down. However, we must know the truth of the gospel, and our promise is not in a man. Our promise is in Jesus. Can I get an amen? The Roman Catholics place a heavy emphasis on St. Peter. They, they believe St. Peter to be the first ever Pope of the Catholic Church, and they believe this because of Matthew 16, verse 18 that Jesus built his church on Simon Peter. And I just wanna make sure everybody understands, Jesus never built his church on any other person than himself. Jesus is the rock, come on somebody. Now in the Greek, Peter's name is Petros, which means rock, but Jesus is ultimately the rock. So Jesus wasn't building his church on Simon Peter, Jesus was building his church on Peter's confession of who Jesus is. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is what separates us from Catholics. Our faith and hope is not in a man or a pope, it's in a high priest and his name is Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can have an intimate, you don't, well, I feel like preaching today. I wore a tie, but I'm about to take this tie off. You don't, you don't have to go through anybody to get to Jesus. Jesus is just as close as the very mention of his name. On the count of three, shout Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. That's how you get to Jesus. Not through Peter, not through Mary. Just go to Jesus. Just go to Jesus. Now, how do I know that this is true? Because the Bible says so. In Peter's first epistle, 1 Peter chapter number two, watch what Simon Peter says to really make sure people understand that the church was never built on him, but it was built on Jesus. For in scripture, this is what it says, and Peter is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. See, I lay a stone in Zion. This stone is what? Chosen and precious. What great adjectives to describe Jesus. This, this stone is chosen and precious. It is a cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him 
If the church was built on Peter, he could have said, the one who trusts in me. But it's not about any of us, it's all about Jesus. They will never be put to shame. That's for those who believe. The stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, that is the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Write that word down if you're taking notes, cornerstone. You see it again, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. With Christ Jesus himself as the what? Chief cornerstone. An ancient building programs as they would erect buildings and, and build temples and homes and communities and villages. The cornerstone was the most valuable foundational building material in all of their, in all of their equipment. The cornerstone was the most solid, most precious, most uh, crafted piece of material that they could use. And the whole foundation of whatever they were building would be built on that cornerstone. That's why this is really, really important that Jesus emphasized that the church is built on the rock, the cornerstone. And it's not a man, but it's the man. And all of hell can't come against it. We'll never, we'll never prevail against it. Let me say it to you like this in 2023. I don't give two flying flips what happens with politics. The church will always stand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Politics can't destroy the church. COVID-19, a worldwide pandemic, can't shut the church down. The cancel culture, you can come at her, but you can't defeat her because Jesus is the rock. I wish you'd help me preach today. And while hell may come against it, watch this. Go Church isn't built on this JC. Go Church is built on that JC. One day I won't be here, but if Jesus tarries, Go Church will always remain. Why? Because Go Church isn't built on a personality. It's built on the person of Jesus Christ. Now, before you clap, let me say this. I'm going to stand on a soapbox because I feel like it, and then I'll get back in the spirit. But I am exhausted with pastors and preachers that are building their own platforms, trying to become insta-famous, preaching their own gospel and their own agenda. No, 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 no. It ain't about that, baby. It's all about the kingdom of God. We got one job, one job as pastors and preachers and men and women of God. The Bible says, if I, Jesus, be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw the people to him. I am fed up with men and women that are trying to become famous, making money and manipulating people and preaching their own gospel. Every pastor out there, you hear the words coming out of my mouth, I'll be held accountable and so will you. Let's just preach Jesus, come on. Oh, I wish you'd help me preach. Listen, if we ever get out of our skis, you call me out. If I ever start preaching my own agenda, you call me out. If I ever start building my own kingdom, you call me out. It's not about me. It's never been about me. It will never be about me. It's always about Jesus. Come on. Woo. Hallelujah. Father, forgive us for what we've made the church. I'm praying this. Man, there are people that have been hurt spiritually abused, they've been taken advantage of. Forgive us, you are the rock, we are not the rock. 
you are the cornerstone. So forgive us, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Come on, one more time, if you felt that the way I did. All right. Start wearing a tie more. Come on, somebody. So now we understand the importance of the church. Now, what is our mission? The mission of the church, which again, not brick and mortar, not address, zip code, me and you. The mission of the church is the great commission. The great commission is why you woke up this morning. The great commission is why you have breath in your lungs and blood flowing through your veins and why you have a pulse. Now this is rhetorical, don't respond, don't raise your hand, just process this in your own mind and heart. Do you even know what the Great Commission is? Barna Research, who does all kinds of research, shows that 51% of churchgoers don't know of the Great Commission. So if you don't know of the Great Commission, then you'll never know your purpose. You'll never know the reason why you're alive. Because everything that we do should point back to fulfilling the mission that Jesus left us here to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the mission of his father, and then Jesus said, now you go. You go and fulfill the mission of the son. So let me help us all just understand what the great commission is. First, a commission is this. It's just an instruction, right? It's, a, it's an assignment. It's a command. It's a duty. And so a commission can be given to an individual. A commission could be given to a group of people. By the way, it's called the great commission, not the great suggestion. It's not optional. We don't get to choose. Jesus instructed it. As a matter of fact, when Jesus came to this earth, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sin-free, sinless life. He died on the cross at Calvary, and his blood that was shed covered a multitude of sin. They took his lifeless body and they buried him in a tomb. And three days later, and I'm going to preach that next Sunday on Easter. And three days later, up from the grave, Jesus arose. After he arose, he, he manifested himself in his glorified, resurrected body. He performed miracles, signs, and wonders. And thousands of people saw Jesus alive after they saw him dead. Then, before Jesus ascended to heaven which is where he's at today, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for the people. Jesus is praying for you. Before he ascended to heaven, his final words were the Great Commission. The last thing Jesus said before he left this earth was the Great Commission. The words that he said revealed two things. One, it reveals his heart. The heart of God is that no man would perish but that every person would come to repentance. That every single one of us, we would say, yes, Lord. Invite him to sit on the throne of our heart. Allow his grace and mercy to wash us new and make us a new creation. That's his heart. God made a way for you to escape the penalty of death. And you can spend eternity with God just by accepting him as your savior. But the Great Commission also reveals the mission of the church. This is why collectively, as a, as a gathering of people, that Greek word for gathering is the ekklesia. It's an army military term, the gathering of people. What's the purpose? What's the mission when we come together? Well, if Jesus spoke his last words, that means this. 
and the first five books of the New Testament, his words are recorded, five books, four authors, five different perspectives. So to really understand the definition of the Great Commission would be to take 20 minutes here, 22 minutes here, maybe 26 minutes here, and unpack all five, the, the more you amen, the faster I preach. I'm gonna be here till Easter with that, come on. We're gonna look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, right? Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts, right? Five books, four authors, their perspective of the Great Commission. Let's start in Matthew, the last words of Jesus. Then Jesus came to them, and this is what he said. All authority has been given unto me. Therefore, verse number 19, go. On the count of three, I want you to shout go. One, two, three, go. This is where we get our name from. This is why we're called Go Church. A few years ago, my phone rang from a pastor that said to me, hey, Pastor JC, uh, we're trying to relaunch our church, rebrand our church. Really love the name Go Church. We don't wanna take that name because we know that's the name of, of, of your church there, but, but do you have any other cool church names? I'll never forget it. I was like, cool church names? And for a moment I thought, I have arrived. I am cool, come on somebody. And then I looked at my kids and they reminded me I'm not. So I said, man, like, Go Church isn't a cool church name, it's, it's from the Bible. You want a name for the church? Read the Bible, come on. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew is recording the last words of Jesus and here he overemphasizes that a great commission church should be all about making disciples. This is a great message if you're visiting Go Church for the first time or you're new here and you're wondering where our heart is, what our purpose is, what our mission is, where our focus is, or maybe you're, you're curious yourself, what is Go Church all about? If we are Go Church, a great commission church, then we should be all about making disciples. And our approach to discipleship is not addition, it's multiplication. It's disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. It's allowing you to grow in Christ Jesus so that you can have a closer, more intimate, personal relationship with them. So I get asked this question often, you know, in a church this size with X amount of campuses, what's the pathway? What's discipleship at Go Church look like? I could break it down into three very simple categories. One to many, one to few, one on one. Every Sunday is our one to many. We're online at all of our campuses in this room. Many people come to let one person yell at you. And don't ever forget that this is discipleship. That here you give me the opportunity to teach God's word with you and to you. And we grow because of the discipleship that happens with the one-to-many approach. But the challenge is, is that for some of you, you stay stuck in one-to-many and this is as far as you'll ever get in your walk with Christ until you say, I actually need to take a step further. This is one-to-few. This would be move track, for example. Move track happens the first four Sundays of every month, steps one, two, three, four, and so it kicks off today at every campus. 
Move Track is a four-step discipleship journey, just teaching you the basics of Christianity. One to few is groups, or some churches call them small groups. We like to say it like this about groups. We believe that real life change happens in the context of relationships. There's something about getting in a circle versus sitting in a row, doing life with other people, having a community that you can call your own. Iron sharpens iron. Or you can talk about the highs and you can talk about the lows. You understand that there's something, I should get a really good amen from this one, by the way. There's something very, very spiritual about eating. Can I get an amen from any hungry folk? Come on, somebody. I see you eating that granola bar. I see that. Breaking bread together in a community. Spiritual. Opening up the word of God. So it's one to many, it's one to few. But the most intimate form of discipleship is one-on-one or you've got a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord that you ask to disciple you and you disciple them holding each other accountable. Every single one of us need people in our lives that love us enough to tell us when we're being an idiot. And I look at somebody and say, I think he's talking to you. He wouldn't say that to me. Go ahead and tell him. Say, you're the idiot, not me. One to many, one-on-one, or one to few, and then one-on-one. And for the last nine years since we've launched Go Church, We've closed every one of our gatherings by saying our purpose statement, that at Go Church, we exist to love anyone from anywhere into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then in October and then January, I started to feel the Holy Spirit convicting my heart about that purpose statement, that there was one part that was missing from it. So in recent weeks, I went back to our executive leadership team, I went back to our all staff and I said, guys, I feel like we're missing one part of the Great Commission in this purpose statement. And so effective today, we've reworded what we say about how and why we exist at Go Church. And no longer is it to love anyone from anywhere into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but it's to love anyone from anywhere into a personal and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want you to just get saved to get your name in the book. I want you to grow in Christ Jesus so that in every part of your life, you can be more like Christ and less like the world. Come on, can I get an amen right there? So we want you to know, and we're gonna love you. With the bumper sticker, the coffee mug, the t-shirt, the hat way of saying this is we love people to life, but the broader purpose of why we exist It's to love people into a personal and growing relationship with Jesus. All right, I gotta hurry. That's the first perspective, Matthew's gospel. It's all about discipleship. Mark records the last words of Jesus this way. Jesus said to them, go, 1,492 times from Genesis to Revelation, the word go, send, move is in the Bible. Almost 1,500 times. Mark says, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So Mark says it's not just about discipleship, but it's actually about evangelism, that we need to evangelize the gospel. Now, I know immediately some of you are like, well, I'm not called to be a preacher, and I get that. That's why I love this quote, an anonymous quote that says, preach always, when necessary, use words. Every part of your life, 
you can be an evangelist. No matter if you work in the ministry or in the marketplace, your life can be a reflection of Jesus Christ and you can evangelize the gospel. Do you know? As a matter of fact, I know you know this, but I show of hands, how many of you have someone in your circle, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, they don't know Jesus and you're praying that they come to know Jesus? Let me see your hand. Okay, so we, if we wanna reach our city, we've gotta evangelize our city. We've gotta go. So many churches, watch this, don't miss this. I know today's like drinking water from a fire hydrant, but don't miss this. So many churches have a come to us, come to us methodology, but it's a therefore go theology. Did you hear that? Come to us, come to us, come to us. But the Bible says, go to them, go to them, go to them, evangelize the gospel. Now, is an invitation to church a part of evangelism? Sure, absolutely it is. There's something about inviting people that are far from God to experience what God is doing. And there's not a greater slash easier time to evangelize and invite people than Easter. The most recent data from 2022 says that of every 10 people you invite to your church on Easter Sunday, four of them will say yes without hesitation. 40% of your invitation to, hey, come to church with me on Easter Sunday. And we got all kinds of gatherings and opportunities for people to come to church. I mean, the, my father-in-law who's sitting right over there, the Denzel Washington of Trinidad. Come on, somebody. He's, he's got more swag than anybody I know. He is cool. Come on. He's preaching the 7 a.m. sunrise gathering here. Man, it'd be standing room only. I told him, I said, I don't know if anybody will come hear me preach because you're preaching. Which, by the way, it's the last year he's preaching because nobody will hear me preach. And I don't like that. I'm just kidding. He's going to preach till Jesus comes. He's going to be 93 like Grandpa. I'm here to preach on Easter. 815, 945, 1145, 911 in MoCo, 10 at, at, at Westside, three online gatherings. <laughs> Which, by the way, don't watch. Of all Sundays, get to church on Easter. My Lord. So th this is just an easy way to evangelize. What, what's the evangelism strategy? Watch this. Go wide, go personal, go next door. What's wide? Have you ever been fishing with a, with a fishing pole? We, we grew up with cane poles, by the way. Anybody with me on that? The old cane pole. But have you ever been fishing with a net? You catch more fish that way. This is what go wide means. You take a net and you just blanket an invitation. Is, is social media full of garbage? Of course it is. But could you leverage that for the kingdom? Of course you can. Could you imagine if the disciples had Instagram and Facebook? Could you, Peter's like, here's his ear, here's Malchus's ear, I cut it off. <laughs> Hashtag, right? <laughs> and it's, Making a post on social media. Hey, come to Easter at Go Church. That's the wide casting of the net. It's, and I'm not, I'm not beating you down. I'm gonna build you up today, but it breaks my heart that there are still Easter invites at our campuses. Just grab, there's five in a stack. Just walk around. Hey, Easter at Go Church. Easter at Go Church. It's the wide evangelism strategy. Leave it on somebody's car at the public's parking lot or run somebody down and tackle them and hand it to them. <laughs> And let them know. Let them know what's up at Go Church. But then it's go personal. Now, if you have to choose between going wide and going personal, 
Choose go personal every time. Go personal is who's the one person, the one family, the one coworker, the one relative, man, that you just, man, Lord, I'm gonna invest into that person so that when I invite them to Easter at Go Church, they'll say yes. And then it's go next door. And you're outside working in the yard. You look across the street and there's Bob. Can I tell you Bob needs Jesus? Come on. Bob, where are you going to church on Easter? Well, we're not going. Man, why don't you come sit with me at Go Church? Next door doesn't even have to mean neighbor. It could be next door coworker, the office next door, the cubicle next door, the classroom next door. When I think about the growth of Go Church at all of our campuses, do you know how God built this? One neighbor at a time. One neighbor inviting another neighbor, inviting another neighbor, inviting another neighbor. Evangelism. So Matthew says discipleship. Mark says evangelism. What does Luke say? Luke says this. It is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. That's where that old Christian band got their name third day. Come on. That's free. You're welcome. Went to college to learn stuff like that. Come on, somebody. I are smart. Verse 47. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was just the base camp. So Luke says it's not just about discipleship and it's not just about evangelism, but there better be some salvations along the way. You know what? I may write a book on this, just on the Great Commission. A Great Commission church should be seeing people get saved turning from their old life and experiencing new life in Christ. You will never, listen to me, this is a bold statement, but hear me, you will never leave a Sunday gathering at Go Church and not hear an invitation for salvation given. It doesn't matter if we're talking about money or we're talking about marriage or we're talking about the Great Commission. We will always give people the opportunity to be saved, to commit their life to Christ or to recommit their life to Christ, because that is what a Great Commission church is all about, is that repentance would happen and people would come to know him. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you walked into a Go Church campus and you felt far from God. All you have to do is to cry out to Jesus and his grace and his mercy are available today. Let me get 100 saved people to help me preach that. Come on. So today we'll give an opportunity for salvation. In 2022, at all of our Go Church campuses, 1,060 people said yes to Jesus. Come on. If we're going to clap, we ought to clap. All of heaven is rejoicing. It's April 2nd. That means we just closed out quarter one of the new year. From January 1 through April 1, right here at Go Church, 225 people have already said yes. Come on, come on, come on. And here's my heart for Easter. You ready? On that day, I'm believing. Our team is already praying for 250 people that were far from God to say yes to Jesus. Listen to me, lean in for a second. This is why it's so important to bring people to the house of God on Easter Sunday. Your simple invitation could lead them to great salvation and it could change their eternity and also change their family forever. Is this good today, everybody good? Matthew, 
discipleship, Mark, evangelism, Luke, salvation. Here's John. Two more and we're done. I'll move through these a little more quickly. John's perspective of Jesus' last words. Jesus says this. John records it. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, here it is, go. I am sending you. You see that? And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about the Holy Spirit in these last uh, two perspectives, but something I really wanna lean in here on John's perspective is this phrase, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Think about this. God didn't just send his son Jesus to this earth to do something. He sent his son Jesus to this earth equipped with something. And that's every single one of us as well. When God was making you and forming you and knitting you together in your mother's womb, he didn't forget to give you gifts and talents and abilities. God equipped you with every single gift, talent, and ability that you need to help accomplish the Great Commission. That's why here John's perspective is equipping. Ephesians says it this way. Let's equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Do you know your gifts, talents, and abilities? If you don't, let Go Church help you discover that. If you do, are you using that to advance the kingdom through the local church? All of you are talented. And I know maybe some of you think, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. Stop focusing on what you can't do and thank God for what you can do. Lean into what you can do and stop trying to be good at what you'll never be good at doing. Some of y'all can't sing. So just stop. Can I get an amen? I know the Bible says make a joyful noise, but that doesn't have to be on this stage. And make a joyful noise in your shower. Come on. Some of you have the gift of administration, teaching, carpentry, leadership, hospitality, music, you name it. Let us equip you. This was John's perspective. God sent his son Jesus, not just to do something, but equipped with something, and you are equipped as well. And then the fifth one is Acts. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and here's how it reads. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. A Great Commission Church, give me two minutes and I'll be done. A Great Commission Church should be all about the Holy Spirit empowering the people. Listen, I don't know how long you've been a part of Go Church. If it's been recent, you already know that we are a spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal church. What does that mean? It does not mean that we handle snakes. Ain't nobody got time for that. Can I get an amen from 300 people? Churches that handle snakes, the Greek word for that is stupid. From the root word el dumbo, right there. But what it does mean is this. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
And as your pastor, listen to me. I am spirit-filled, Pentecostal, tongue-talking, Bible-preaching, devil-stomping, hand-clapping, foot-thumping. It's in my bones. It's in, it's in my bones. My father-in-law says it this way. I love, I love how he says it. He says, I'm Pentecostal from my bald head to my big toe. Come on, somebody. Well, I got a head full of hair. Thanks be to God. His grace is sufficient. But I'm Pentecostal from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And I'm unapologetic about it. Because here's what I've learned. That in order to fulfill the great commission, I need a power far greater than my own power. My own power will only take me so far. But when I plug into the Holy Ghost's power, you know your spirit filled when you do that when you're preaching. Come on, somebody. Like when you plug into the power source, I remember, Gabe, I remember when I was seven years old laying in my bed, there was a, a, a balloon lamp that was hanging on my, on my bedroom wall and it wasn't working. So I took it off the wall, I undid the light bulb and I put my finger in the socket. And when I put my finger in that socket, it went, da -da 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 -da. and when I met the Holy Ghost, it's like that socket hit my, hey, come on, somebody. And listen, there is just, there's this power that I feel in my heart that allows someone like me, look at me real quick, someone that barely graduated high school, that started college on academic probation, whose senior class voted most likely not to succeed in life. How can God take someone like me, the least of these, and allow me every week to stand on a stage and to preach the truth of God's Word? You know how that happens? It's not by might nor by my power, but by God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit resting on the inside of me. So forgive me if I dance while I worship. You don't know the hell that I've been through. Forgive me if I get loud when I preach. You don't know the pain that I've processed. And sometimes I don't know any other way than to just tell the Lord, okay, here we go. Anybody with me? Come on. Listen, and I get it. Some people may come to go church and like, you know what? I actually think I like Peter as the Pope. <laughs> well, go get him. But if you're gonna come in here, come on. Listen to me. This place is alive. It's, a it's like an electric current. And let me tell you, I know what it's like to live for the world. I know what it's like to go to the clubs. You don't know nothing about me. I know what that old life looks like, but I know this, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party, it don't stop. Anybody gonna help me preach this the way I feel it? Come on. Oh, come on, somebody shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Let's go. Pull my pants up. And if I'm the pastor 25, 30 years from now, if the Lord graces me with that great responsibility, I will stand in front of you on that day and say, from the top of my bald head to my big toe, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me show you the Great Commission this way. Great Commission. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Disciple new believers. Evangelize the gospel. See lost people saved. 
equip them for leadership, empower them to go. Looks at least like five chapters to a book. But years ago, we said, how can people get a hold of this and remember this and live this out? So we created what we call our G3s, gather, grow, go. It's the Great Commission. And so again, leaning into what the Holy Spirit was saying to me and to our team, we've reworded some of our, our mission strategy in the G3s. And so effective today, this is how we're calling it. The Great Commission, we gather together, we grow in Christ. It used to be grow in purpose. I, I want you to find your purpose, I want you to find your identity, but you'll never find your purpose and identity if you don't find it in Christ Jesus. Gather together, grow in Christ, go make a difference. Can you say this on three? One, two, three. Gather together, grow in Christ, go make a difference. This is the great commission. Can you give Jesus Christ the best praise you've got? All right, we gotta get you out of here. Come on up, stand right here, heads bowed, eyes closed. Campus pastors are moving, nobody leave just yet. Thanks for giving me five more minutes than you typically do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, church. Your campus pastors will give you the opportunity here for salvation. I'm gonna step off the stage because I feel a little tired and I don't want you to be tired of me. But you have a next step today. If you're at a campus, you've already gathered together. Now your next step is grow in Christ. Go make a difference. It doesn't matter if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you've been serving him for 40 years, we all have a next step. Gather together, grow in Christ, go make a difference. Take 10 seconds right here, ask the Lord, what is my next step, Lord? And then be obedient to what the Spirit would say, and then we'll close in dismissal. 10 seconds, here we go.